everyone, welcome back to Balance Sheet. I'm so excited to launch season two and introduce new people, concepts, and stories that will hopefully inspire us to re-examine the ways we live and work. Though no one could have predicted a global pandemic, certain companies have ridden the wave of disruption surprisingly well. So what differentiates these companies from those that succumb to layoffs, bankruptcy, and failures of leadership? In this episode, I spoke with five senior-level financial executives about challenges they faced in their careers that helped to prepare them to successfully navigate the extreme disruption of COVID-19. I hope you enjoy their stories. Hi, I'm Scott Brickner. I'm the Chief Financial Officer of the San Diego Airport Authority. We own and operate San Diego International Airport, the busiest single runway airport in North America. The COVID pandemic decimated our industry. And at one point we were down 96% in our passenger traffic. And that is basically our entire revenue stream. We had to act really quickly to reduce our expenses because you know we're passing those through to the airlines who obviously are, are losing money hand over fist. And so we have a, a daily TSA count of throughput. And so we were just like watching it every day. And it just, at first it was, you know, we're 20% down from prior year and then 30%, 40% and just kept going and going and going. And it's hard not to get caught up in that. And so, you know, at some point you just kind of have to, to step back and say, okay, what do we need to do to secure the business? How do we pivot and how do we move forward from here and anticipate as much as we possibly can, you know, how long this is going to take and what kind of what, what a recovery looks like. You know, it, I think the, the biggest lesson that I've learned is it's great to be prepared. We have a five-year strategic plan that we're about three years into right now. And one of the initiatives was to create contingency actions and plans in the event of significant shock. And it was great to have that plan and to, to pull the trigger and take action immediately. Probably what we learned is you can't anticipate everything. I mean, nobody in, in their right mind would have thought this pandemic would be going on for, for as long as it has and the impact would be so significant. I have not had in my career any experience like this. You have to end up being flexible or else you don't survive. Carl Lukacs. I am Executive Vice President of Corporate Development at Univar. I was formerly the CFO for five years and had a very successful uh, IPO there uh, after many years in finance and commercial business at DuPont around the world. When I was in Japan, it was 2011. We were in an industrial park with Canon, Toshiba, Panasonic, Toyota, Honda, and DuPont. And when you work in a plant, everyone rotated the assignment of being the earthquake supervisor. This particular week, it was a young 23-year-old kid who's been with the company maybe a year. And under your desk at the plant, and even in the office, you had a little earthquake kit. Hard hat, Kevlar gloves, goggles, a couple bottles of water, a whistle, flashlight. And so the earthquake hit, and it was a 9.2. This, this shook Tokyo. I mean, buildings in Tokyo, I thought our building was coming down. Well, 
this kid did exactly what he was trained to do. He blew the whistle. He said, everybody evacuate. And everybody ran out of the building. And in, in the box-shaped industrial park, there was a big green courtyard, like a football field. And they about 200 DuPonters met out there within three minutes. Boom. Out of the plant. Okay. Now, this plant was built with concrete flooring that was probably two feet thick and like four stories and with heavy machinery on each floor. No one else evacuated. All the other industrial companies were in their buildings. And what no one knew was that six minutes later was the second earthquake. Our building collapsed and the buildings all around collapsed. And there were the ponders out in the courtyard and all the other people were killed. I ran, I was president of DuPont Asia Pacific, living in Tokyo, and had to make the decisions of evacuating and what we were going to do and how we were going to help our employees up there. And because their homes had collapsed and all that, food lines, food supply lines were down and all that. And we thought it was just an earthquake. That was on a Friday afternoon. On Sunday, the Fukushima reactor blew up. And so th this was this was Chernobyl too. The subways were shut down. People couldn't get home. They lived 30 miles from home. Nobody drives a car. It's all trains. Trains were off for a week. We had emergency rations in the basement, and uh, you know, dried goods and water. And people spent the night in the office. And the phones were gone. The internet was off and on. I got hold of our parent company in Delaware by Skype. They said, what do you need? And I said, radiation expertise. For three weeks, I would get a radiation, a plume analysis from DuPont every four hours. And they said, if it heads south to Tokyo, that's when you know you got to evacuate. And I thought, we're talking about thousands of people and all that. You never want to go through that. But it teaches you about leadership. You have to lead. There's no option. What I learned out of that was that in, in less of a crisis mode, that's what your employees expect of you in business. You know, set the direction and then execute. If you're in a leadership role, you have to lead. It's about managing change. In that case, it was from a disaster to survival and, and you know, to stability again. In business, it's about the core task is, is that the leaders have to, to lead change. We're in a situation right now in business with COVID that requires pure, pure leadership. Whether you're CFO, CEO, whatever, the employees are looking up to you and, and that's your job, that's your responsibility. My name is Adrian Brown, and I'm the Managing Director of the International Business and Chief Financial Officer at AeroGuard Flight Training Center. We are one of the largest flight training organizations in the world. We train domestic students in the U.S., also from, from all around the world, predominantly students from China. If you were to look at my resume, Olivia, you would see right in the, in the top section, it would say CFO with international experience. And so I often try to think about kind of what does that mean, international experience, right? So I was born in England when I was in my mid-20s. My company at the time offered me an opportunity to go work in Hong Kong. And so I got my, I got my math out. I saw where it was and was like, sure, you know, I'm kind of up for the challenge. 
But my role there was predominantly overseeing the accounting for a factory that we had in Shenzhen in China. I would go there every week. Well, one day I arrived at my factory. You know, we employ about 1,200 people there. You know, a little discerning. There was only like a, half a dozen people that spoke English. So that can be a little, you know, overwhelming sometimes. And I showed up and every employee is on strike. And everyone in my department was just literally sat with their arms crossed at their desks, not doing anything. And so, you know, I still had to get financials done by a certain deadline. Of course, it was my month end close. And so how do you figure out a way to do that? You know, when you're in a different country, different language, I can't even read it because of the Chinese characters and how you actually, you know, get that done. So, you know, so, so what does international experience mean? I think what it means is, you know, you show up in these countries not knowing anyone just with your bags and you're essentially faced with a different set of challenges that you could never, ever even imagine. So when the whole pandemic kicked in, flight train and business, we've been severely impacted, but, you know, by what's happened. Mm-hmm really just trying to lean on on all of those experiences to, to, kind of, to kind of get us through. I'm the CFO at Halloran Consulting. We are a life science consulting firm, and our slogan is improving human health by making life science companies better at what they do. Yeah, I mean, I think back to like 08, 09, it was a really tough time, but I guess I am a glass half full type of person. We all got through it and we made it to the other side and and it was it was okay. And we had to make some tough decisions during that time. And I feel like that's similar to what we're experiencing right now, but there's going to be a positive outcome of this. And maybe it's not in 2020 and maybe it's not in 2021, you know, and maybe life will never be exactly the same, but there's a lot of positive changes that come from this. Like one thing, for example, we're growing very rapidly. We hire a lot of people. We didn't let COVID stop us in our tracks. We immediately converted over to doing Zoom interviews and Zoom onboarding. I have about probably 20 employees that I've literally never met face-to-face and I look forward to meeting them face-to-face someday. But I actually love the fact that we are doing Zoom interviews. And personally, I would like to continue that moving forward because it evens the playing field for everyone. I'm Ron Saramski. I'm CFO for Great Hearts America. We're a network of public charter schools. We do K through 12 education. Presently, uh, we operate in Arizona and Texas, headquartered in Arizona. We have 31 schools and about a little over 20,000 students. I, I think probably the closest thing, dating myself a little bit, but the whole Y2K effort. You know, that was a case where leading up to that time, a huge amount of effort trying to investigate, anticipate what are all those things that could go wrong when we rolled into 2000. And you know, that was a huge team effort coordinating. A lot of money was spent to do that. And in fact, I think it's very interesting. You know, people now look back and say, you know, look at Y2K. It was just another one of those hoaxes. Nothing happened. Yeah, nothing happened because so much was done to prepare for it that by the time it happened, we were ready for it. The, uh, I think the project management skills were huge and laying out that whole effort 
At the time, I was responsible for making sure we were going to be able to successfully address Y2K for about a $3 billion business within Motorola that spread out across the uh, world. And so bringing a team together regularly, talking through the pieces and making sure that people were doing what they needed to do and it was done timely. We're actually using all that within the COVID world, not on COVID per se, but uh, my team is just in the process of taking two general ledgers within our, our business and we're gonna merge them into one. And so we've been working for quite some time on just how do we define the account number so that it's really a very, it has a global capability for us. But once that's done, then it was like, okay, how do we now really implement it? And I've been using a lot of the skills from that Y2K time to really uh, help drive the group so that we successfully go through this conversion here. And we completed two of maybe four phases of it but we're doing daily 30-minute meetings where we touch base and it's just that structure, process, attention to detail that's allowing, knock on wood, this project to be a success. 